Welcome to the Renewed Mind Podcast, presented by Jameson Smallwood, recorded live at Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church in Woodstock, Georgia. Hello, everyone. This is Jameson Smallwood, and I wanted to take a moment to thank each and every one of you for your continued support of the Renewed Mind Podcast. Whenever you have a moment, please visit www.renewedmindpodcast.com and fill out the comments page and tell me what you think about the podcast and think about the topics and what you think about the overall content as I try to continue to improve and produce a better podcast and a better listening experience for all of you guys who are supporting um, the digital ministry. Feel free to sit back and listen, and thank you once again for all of your support. Today's date is October 28th, and we find ourselves studying in Bible study guide number 9, and our topic this morning is Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. Our Bible background scripture is Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 39. Our printed text this morning can be found in those same verses, Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. And our devotional reading this morning came from Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8. Our aim for change, by the end of the lesson, we will explain the connection between Philip's sharing of the gospel and this universal appeal, I'm sorry, universal availability, reflect on our openness to people who differ from us, and develop strategies to make our churches more open and inclusive. A verse to keep in mind, and as they went on their way, they came unto a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And that's Acts chapter 8, verse 36. Amen. Um, This morning, I've got really just two points we're going to talk about, and these are old familiar topics, but we're going to try to you know, look at them through the light of what we're talking about this morning with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. The first topic is we're going to try and see Jesus clearly in the Old Testament. Um, one of the things that you will find as you study the Old Testament with Jesus in mind is that the whole Bible is about Jesus. It's not just the New Testament. It's not just the Gospels. The whole Bible is pointing towards implying, uh, intimating, and directing us to the notion of a savior to redeem mankind, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And as we and as you go through the Old Testament, you will see Jesus in some image, some shadow, some foretelling in each book of the Old Testament. And uh we're going to take a look at one particular case and that's going to be Isaiah and we're going to talk about how he is found in Isaiah and most people don't argue that because we know him as the suffering servant that Isaiah is prophesying about, but we're going to talk about that in detail, and we're going to talk about outreach, because Philip is an evangelist, Philip is a preacher going around telling people what thus said the Lord and about Jesus Christ, so we're going to talk about outreach and how it plays into our knowledge of the Word of God, and and why is it so important that we know who God is and know what His Word says when we go and try to evangelize and outreach. So let me read the scripture for us this morning. And we'll get our discussion going. Um, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Amen. 
Amen. I feel, I like how Philip was traveling. Philip didn't have to worry about no gas prices. Philip just got took up by the Holy Spirit and went to the next place he had to go. Amen. Amen. I like that. Called away. So this morning we're talking about Philip and, and to paint the picture of Philip a little bit, we need to go back in time. Who was Philip? Who was Philip? What was his title in the church? Amen. Who was Philip? What, what, how did he come into being? He was the same thing. I'll give you a hint. He was the same thing Stephen was. Stephen. Now, who was Stephen? Uh-uh. Not apostles. One of the first seven deacons. I was about to say, him and Deacon Durham got something in common. Amen. Amen. Now, how is it that Philip, why are we talking about Philip this morning? So we know Philip is one of the first seven deacons, okay? Now, why is it that Philip is the one going around telling people the good news? Isn't that the job of a quote-unquote preacher? That's a trick question. Amen. That's not, is it? The word describes Philip as a man who is obedient to the Holy Spirit. He's full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My first point this morning would be that if you're full of the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a story to tell. Amen. Amen. Okay, I think I think I think y'all left y'all amens at home. That's fine. I'll with y'all bring them. Amen. All right. Now, when we talk about Philip. Philip was just a lay member of the church, meaning Philip was someone who wasn't a reverend, somebody who wasn't a pastor, somebody who wasn't clergy. He was just a lay member. He was just like me. He was just like you, for those of you who are in art and ministry. He was just a regular guy in the church. But he had an extraordinary testimony. Let me tell you about this man named Jesus Christ and how, how he, he, he's the son of God and he spent time teaching us and instructing us in his doctrine and how he came to Jerusalem and he went through healing people and raising the dead and, and, and praying for folks and, and, and teaching us and, and shepherding us as human beings. And, and, and then, he, then he went to the cross and he died on the cross and three days later he got about the grave just as he predicted he would and, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for all of us and all we have to do to have eternal life is believe in him as the son of God. Let me tell you about this man. That was what Philip had inside of him. Amen. Amen. And, and, and I would and I would make the point this morning before we get into the lesson. Now I get I get done talking about my little convicting points here. Is that if you have the cross in view, the cross in mind in view. If you can see the cross, if you can see Jesus Christ and the and the true work He did for you as a Christian then you're going to be just like Philip, and you can't help but tell somebody, amen? Okay. We know who Philip is now. He's just a regular church member who became a deacon. He was picked as a deacon, and and and, and he got motivated by his, his the witness that he had inside of him, the Holy Spirit, and he stopped all this stuff of, quote, unquote, taking care of the tending tables, as the apostle said. And he went and started telling people, started telling people the good news about Jesus Christ, amen? Now, let us kind of set the stage here a little bit and talk about this, this Ethiopian eunuch. And this is, this is just, um, this is just some historical background on that. If you turn in your book with me to the people, places, and times, let's read through that and get a picture of who this eunuch is. Okay. And why is that term significant for our story? Eunuchs. Throughout the Bible, 
there are references to royal attendants appointed by kings as official caretakers of queens, harems, and women. Those eunuchs who served with distinction were able to rise in the rank within the royal households. Now, a eunuch is someone that typically has been castrated, okay? They lost their manhood surgically, and it probably wasn't the best surgery in that time, amen? So they've been castrated. They can't have children. They've lost their male genitalia because they've been called into service, okay? Now, let's, let's look at what the, the author told us here. Queens, harems, and women. Why do you think a man, that they would pick a man and castrate him to make him a eunuch if he's going to take care of women, a harem, which is a bunch of women, and, um, you know, and women, right? Why would they castrate a man back then? What do you think the significance of that is? That's it. That's exactly it. They didn't want, they wanted no doubt that he would defile, he would try and force himself upon the women he was taking care of. Now, the term eunuch, though, is there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. Um, let's read on here because that's 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 typically what it is, and that and we're going to use that definition because when we read our Bible background this morning, there was something that Isaiah said that was significant that I'm going to point us back to. Okay, so imagine a eunuch is a man who's been castrated, so he won't be tempted, he won't defile the women that he's taking care of. All right. The Assyrians and the, prof, the pharaohs of Egypt were known to have minor officials in their court who were, who often served as trustees of the royal assets. While the term is often literal, referring to men who have been physically castrated, this was not always the case. The term eunuchs was also used to denote officials um, who were assigned to duties in the courts of kings, because the Ethiopian man referred reference in. Today's lesson was a proselyte or Gentile who has converted to Judaism. The Jewish religion, we may, I'm sorry, to the Jewish religion, we may deduce that he was not castrated because Mosaic law would have not allowed him to become part of the congregation of God's people. Now that's the deduction, but see, I disagree with that. Amen. And this is going, I'm going to make my case. Amen. My case. Amen. As, as we talked about, uh, this morning a little bit, and, and last night, this is one of the times where I'm going to say, this is not something that God might have said in his word, but this is what I'm going to do, do as a theologian, amen. I'm going to make my case, amen. Now, now, this man has been castrated, so we know that. That's what his, that's what he, that's why he's a eunuch, okay? He's been castrated. He's been, he's been, he's in the service of, of, of the, of, of Queen Candace of the Ethiopians. Now, he is a Gentile. Philip, Philip, Philip is now taking something, the message of Jesus Christ, something that there's going to be the belief in the early church that only Jews are the ones who are supposed to hear the good news, that you must convert to Judaism and then become a Christian. So the gospel is about to break, once again, cultural boundaries. It happened when Philip went to Samaria and taught the gospel. It broke that cultural boundary. Now we have an Ethiopian who's about to hear about Jesus and break that boundary. Amen? Amen. We're talking about outreach. Amen? Now, let me make this case this morning. Why am I saying that this man is, this man was castrated and that he was seeking after understanding Jesus Christ? Turn with me to Isaiah 56. 
And we're going to look at verses 1 through 8. Isaiah 56, verses 1 through 8. Now let's start down here at verse 4. Okay? And it says, For this is what the Lord says, I will bless those eunuchs, there's that word again, eunuchs, who keep my Sabbath days holy, and who choose, uh, sorry, who choose to do what pleases me, and commit their lives to me. So this is what the eunuch is preparing to do. I will give them within the walls of my house a memorial, and here's the part I really care about, and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. Now, look at this. The man is castrated. That's what a eunuch is. He's castrated. He can't have children. All his male genitalia has been cut off. Okay? And then here's Isaiah with a prophecy saying, in verse 5, I will give them, this being God speaking, within the walls of my house, a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. Okay? The heritage, the treasure, the, 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 the lineage of a person in the Old Testament in, in, in ancient times was considered, was considered a blessing from God. The word tells us that children are what? A blessing from God. Okay? Now a eunuch can't have children. Y'all, y'all about to, y'all, I'm getting ready to have fun in church today. Amen? I mean, this, this makes me tingle. Amen? Now a eunuch can't have children. But then God says, I will give the eunuchs a memorial and a name far greater than sons and daughters could give. Meaning, I'm about to give them something that will give them, that will give them a memorial and a name greater than if they could have children themselves. I'm about to give them a greater blessing than if they had children themselves. Okay, now what's that great blessing? What's that great blessing that's being prophesied about? Jesus Christ is that great blessing. Amen? Let's, let, let's go back to Acts. Go back with me to Acts here. And let's look at this. Because we're in a section of our, of our lesson this morning of seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. Okay? Now this man is reading scripture in Isaiah. Okay? And in verse 34... And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man. Okay? Okay? Imagine yourself. You are in, you are in Palestine, Jerusalem, when Jesus Christ has now done all these things. Amen? He's done, he's, he's, he's risen from the grave. He's appeared to more than 500 people throughout Jerusalem. He's appeared to folks. He, he, he's visited the disciples. And you, and you're here in this time. And this man, this Ethiopian man has been in Jerusalem. It's likely that man would have had conversation with people who were telling him about all the crazy events that had been going on. About, about the resurrection and these folks walking around saying that a man got about the grave. It, this is what this is what this man would have been exposed to, and, and as a result, he's now sitting out here reading. He's reading the Old Testament prophets. This is what the eunuch is doing. Now he's reading Isaiah. He is in the moment that Isaiah has prophesied about. He's the one who fills that. He's the one who fits that prophecy. He's a eunuch, and he's reading about. He's reading about what God is going to do for eunuchs. 
Oh, y'all, y'all. Amen. Okay. I'm going to come back at it, Sister Deborah. I'm going to come back at it. I'm trying to get them, get them woke this morning. This man is reading about himself in Scripture. Can you imagine that? To be to read a prophecy written by Isaiah and see that you're fulfilling the script, you, you're about to fulfill the prophecy. When this man, when this eunuch accepted Jesus Christ, he fulfilled that scripture we read this morning. He fulfilled it. That's why I say he wasn't castrated. He was castrated. Because when he because he got a gift from God that far was far greater than if he ever had children. He fit that prophecy to a T. Amen. So that's something for y'all to think about. Amen. In your study, if you disagree, amen. That's good. The question is to ask questions. Amen. Amen. Now, let us continue to transition into this topic of seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. And now, if you look at that, the Ethiopian had a desire to understand God's word. And and he's reading the scripture. He's reading this old this old prophecy from Isaiah, and he's trying to understand who he's talking about. And what does he do when he has a question? He goes and asks Philip, "Will you will you explain this to me?" Okay. Now I'm I'm gonna show of hands. How many people understand every word in the Bible in its correct context in in, in, in all of its exegesis and hermeneutics? Who understands the Bible completely? Okay, okay. Nobody understands the Bible completely. Okay, so then my question to you is, would you not say that you're just like the Ethiopian eunuch at times? You read a scripture and you say, man, I wish I had somebody to explain this to me. Okay, so guess what we do here at the church between, I don't know, on Wednesday and hours, eh, about 730 to about nine o'clock. Sunday school, right? We explain what God's word says, right? And then as you see, there's still times where there's still some questions, right? So if you ever read scripture and you find yourself not understanding something, there's teachers here. Now, this man's salvation, the eunuch's salvation, it hinged on his understanding of the scripture. Do we see that? If he didn't get un the accurate understanding of the scripture, he wouldn't have been saved. Do we understand that? How many people in our lives have an incorrect understanding of Scripture, maybe a complete ignorance of Scripture, whose salvation is hinging on some Christian, somebody in the Sunday school class this morning, going to them and opening up the Bible and explaining to them the Scriptures that they're trying to read, or taking the Scripture to them and showing it to them. Amen? We're talking about witnessing. Amen? Let's turn and see this and illustrate about Jesus himself. Turn with me quickly to Luke chapter 24. And let's look at verses 25 through 32. Luke chapter 24, verses 25 through 32. And this is Jesus after the, after the resurrection. And he's appearing to two men on the road to Emmaus. And, and, and he's, and he is talking to these men. And this is, this picks up in the middle of that conversation after the men have told him about some of the signs and the wonders that they've been seeing as a result of Jesus going to the cross. 
And and in verse 25 says here in our scripture, it says, he, and that being Jesus, said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Verse 28. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, because he kept himself disguised and hid from their, 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 their realization, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning with, within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? Amen. If I had to put a bumper sticker on my car as a Sunday school teacher, that last verse is the one I care about the most. I want your hearts to burn within you as we talk about the Word of God. Not because I'm up here with some great oration. Not because I'm up here in the rafters with my theology and I'm just swinging from the theological rafters impressing y'all with these these topics of hermeneutics and, and all this stuff. I want you to read and get truth for yourselves. See, if you're hungry for something, then when you finally get what you're hungry for, that, that, that passion, that savor, that just, that relief, that's what that, that's what that feels like. And see, these men were getting truth. You understand what I'm saying? These men on the road, they had Jesus himself explaining to them his existence, his path from all the way from Moses in the Old Testament, all the way to the present events. He showed them step by step how, how all the things were fitting into, into God's plan and how, how this plan had been in place ever since the time of Moses. Can you believe that? Amen. Amen. It is, it is, it is, it is the goal of every teacher to have your hearts burn within you when the, when the scriptures are opened up and read. Amen. But that comes back to what it is that you believe and that you care about. Amen. Amen. Um, let us continue and, and wrap this thing on up here. And we're talking about outreach now. Okay. We're talking about outreach now. Philip was an evangelist telling people about who Jesus Christ was. And this is a question for our discussion. Why do we think Jesus gave us the commission to tell people about who he was? Why do we think Jesus gave people the Great Commission? Gave us as a church, as his Christians, the Great Commission? Why is it important that we tell people about about Jesus. Why do we think he told us to go and tell people as witnesses? Amen. So that's one thing that uh, I, I completely 100% agree with. So that's, a, that's one reason on the table. Because Jesus is no longer here. And we are as his representatives, as his ambassadors, as though he was making the appeal through us, are to go out and represent him. Amen. So we're supposed to live it out as well as we teach people, right? Okay. Somebody else. This is this is something we're all called to do now. 
Amen. That's another scripture that supports that, right? He's not slow. He's, what does it say? He's not slow. Is some men count slowness? But he wants, he wants everybody to come to repentance and know who Jesus Christ is? Okay? More Christians. Why is it that you think it's important that we tell people about Jesus Christ? What's that? You can't hear without a preacher? Okay. Faith comes by what? Hearing. Okay. Let, let me let me keep going deeper here. See, these are things, these questions I ask like this, these are questions you have to have an answer to as a Christian. Okay? Not just not just not just a few brave people who volunteer with that have an answer, amen. You don't have to give me your answer, but inside yourself, come to a conclusion about why you think it's important that he did this. Because if you don't think it's important, if you have an answer to the question as to why it's important, guess what? That's gonna be one of those things that you kind of put on your back burner. Well, I'll get to it, you know. See, life changed. My thing is, I'll tell you my testimony, at least a part of my testimony. I do that from time to time. People ask me, why are you so passionate sometimes about the Scripture? Like, people talk to me like, did you go to seminary? No, I didn't go to seminary. Why is it that you have this passion? Okay? Me, why do I have this passion? Because I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, that the Bible will change my life if I practice and study what's in it. And it is that truth. See, my thing is, it's that truth that helps me believe in Jesus Christ. See, I can't, I, in my human flesh, my faith is limited. I can't see Jesus doing all the things he did. I have a hard time in my flesh trying to visualize him healing people and dying on the cross and seeing these things because they're so long ago. I, I, I wish I could see him and talk to him and, 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 and dialogue with him as the disciples did. Amen. I know I'm by myself with that one. I, I'll be by myself on that one. But see, when I got exposed to the truth and I began to read the Gospels and read and study the Bible, and I saw how the Bible showed me all this truth around me, I said to myself, God, I might not in my, in my man flesh can, 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 can prove Jesus lived, but I can accept on faith based on all the truth that's in your word elsewhere that what you wrote about Jesus is true. Amen. That's my testimony. That's what it means by having faith. See, I, I see that it says, thou shalt not lie, and that lying is wrong, and, and thou shalt not murder. And I said, you know what? That's true. I can see that. But then when it gets to Jesus, my flesh might say, well, how can a man get out by the grave and, and, and pray somebody up by the grave? How can that work? I've never seen that, but I know lying is wrong. And if he wrote that about lying, and he wrote it, and it, 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 there's no doubt it's wrong, then when I get over here and start talking about Jesus, I can believe that, D. I can believe it. See, that's the gateway drug to my faith. That's how they say it. See, a gateway drug is something you do that leads you to doing bigger and harder drugs. See, I, I, think, that's, I think I like that term. I'll call that gateway faith. Amen. I can study and hear when the word tells me that, oh, all man, the heart of man is wicked and deceitful among all things. Then I see somebody, you know, I see people out here killing folks and killing babies and doing all this stuff. That's true. That's gateway faith. So that leads me over here to Jesus again. Man, these miracles, whew, that's hard to get my mind wrapped around. But I can see all this other stuff over here. I'm going to try Jesus and believe that that's true. Right? We have to get there, church. Gateway faith, amen. I'm, 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 that might be a sermon one day. Gateway faith. I'm gonna hold on. Amen. Let me let me read a verse for y'all out of Jonah. 
And we're going to talk about that. And, and Sister Rosa, that's a perfect segue. I want, I want everybody else to have what I have. Amen. Jonah chapter 3 verse 10 says, and this is Jonah after he's finally gone and preached the word that God gave him to Nineveh. When God saw what they did, that being the, 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 the people in Nineveh, the repentance, the, 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 the revival that took place in Nineveh, how they stopped what they were doing and they began to turn their hearts towards God and worship God. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Amen. Outreach. Amen. See, if you don't believe the threat of hell, then you won't tell nobody else about how to avoid hell. I know we here in church all the time we talk about heaven. We don't want to talk about hell. But just as sure as there's a heaven, there's a hell. Amen. And, 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 and everybody ain't going to heaven. But I thank God for his son, Jesus Christ, that everybody ain't going to hell either. And that if we share the gospel, we've got some determination in who goes to heaven. See, my thing is, I might not get, I might never save and, and be responsible for preaching that sermon that saves 10,000 people. But God, if I can get one person to hear the truth, if I can get that one person in my lifetime, that's something in heaven for the angels to rejoice about. That's what, that's what we have the charge of doing. Um, if there are no more questions and no more comments, let me pray and yield the floor back to Deacon Durham so he can dismiss us from the class. God, I am up here because somebody in 2001 shared the gospel with me. Someone challenged my notion of salvation and what it meant to be saved and, and asked me to make a, make a determination for myself what it was that Jesus Christ wanted for me as a man. God, I thank you for that day. I thank you, God, for the, the, the burden you've placed on my heart to teach and, and, to, and to spread your word to people. God, continue to convict me to be a better witness. God, help me, God, to go out and, and tell people with, with more authority and more clarity and more certainty that your son has risen and his name is Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for everyone who's here this morning. God, I thank you for, 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 for people taking time out of their busy day and just sitting down and saying, God, I want my heart to burn as we study the word together. God, I am not the greatest teacher. I'm not the greatest evangelist. I'm not, I'm not even a preacher, Lord God. But God, I know you've called me for this one purpose, and that is to teach your word. God, continue to strengthen me and, and strengthen those who listen to me. God, help me to be humble. God, help me to, 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 to be a, a wretched vessel in, 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 my, in my position and thought of myself relative to you and your son, Jesus Christ, and your Holy Spirit. Keep me humble, God. So that, so that your word can go forth and be, and be what you intended for it to be, Lord God, powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. These things I pray in your son Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to another installment of the Renewed Mind Podcast. Be sure to listen again as we endeavor to renew our minds.